This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with my friend Matt Donovan of the Merit Group. Matt, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Mr. Amtower. Always happy to chat with the godfather of government marketing. Well, don't, you can call me godfather if you want, but never call me mister. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, your first time on the show, right? Yeah, I may have chatted with you a few years ago about um, the content that we did you with Mark. You did, you did, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. so glad to be back. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's my fault for not having you back sooner, but... That being said, tell people about you and Merit Group, please. Yeah, absolutely. So Merit Group is a marketing agency located in the D.C. area. We're right here in Tyson's Corner, and we specialize in working with technology companies, pretty much on the on the B2B and B2G side. So enterprises selling into other enterprises. I've been at the agency for 16 years now, and I lead our government practice. So my team specifically works with systems integrators, consulting firms, and tech companies that are selling into all levels of government. Well, you know, from my perspective, if you're here six months, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to run away screaming, or you're going to become addicted to the niche. And uh, 37 years later, I'm, I'm one happy camper. Um, I'm addicted. I'm addicted, too. And I think, you know, the intersection and the interplay of policy and innovation, all the stuff that the government is driving forward, how cutting edge the DOD is, it's just it's fascinating. And I agree with you. If it's, if it's not your cup of tea, you, you get out of here. But, uh, you know, I've been here for close to 20 years now. So. Well, yeah, there there ain't no escape, dude. Um, that's just the way it is. Uh, so Merritt's been in the thick of things for a while. You guys got on my radar when you started partnering with Market Connections to do the studies, particularly the content study to which I'm addicted. What are the big questions that, that companies are coming to you with? What are, what are their problems? What are their big issues as far as, you know, communicating with the uh, the outside world goes? Yeah, I think a lot of them, especially the ones that are breaking into the market for the first time, they need to partner with somebody that understands how to communicate with the target audiences and the decision makers that are going to define success in the government market. So whoever their end user, whoever whoever their decision maker is, they need help kind of navigating the space and also building relationships with the right folks to kind of build that brand and get that message out there. So whether it's being part of the right associations, attending the right events, communicating across the right media channels, you know, a lot of, you know, Silicon Valley companies or, you know, commercial companies that think they'll have a compelling solution for federal, you know, they're really breaking into the market for the first time and they, they need that guidance. And where we've really seen a lot of need and demand is that foundational message component of who are we in this market? What can we say 
to federal or you know state and local decision makers to establish trust quickly in the market? And then how are we taking that to market? And I think, you know, a lot of those channels that I mentioned before, but also digital is becoming more and more effective in terms of, you know, reaching folks on LinkedIn, on, you know, social media, using, you know, digital targeting to really, really hone in on, you know, who you're, who you're, you know, customizing your campaign to reach. So. Yeah. I I've had conversations recently with, uh, several of the people who've gotten recognition chief marketing types and their one of their issues has been you know our executive leadership doesn't believe that feds use linkedin that they're on linkedin i've only found two and a half million feds on linkedin myself and 551 different company pages that that cover literally the gamut so i i think they're wrong but that doesn't stop the problem from the marketing side selling the concept. So start with the, the, the digital side. You know, what, what are you guys doing to en- enhance a digital presence? And not the secret sauce, but give me the broad picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're absolutely right. There's this kind of old notion that, you know, government's still a in-person handshake business. And I think, I think there is some truth to that, but, you know, to your point about how many folks are active and engaged on LinkedIn, all of our campaign metrics say the exact same thing where whether we're doing an in-mail campaign or we're doing digital advertising across LinkedIn, we're getting really, really great traction, really great engagement. People are taking action based on, you know, the information or ads that they're seeing. And I think the other thing is the targeting is so much more sophisticated than it used to be. Just take a platform like LinkedIn where you can deliver messages to specific roles within specific agencies in specific segments of the market. And rather than taking a a shotgun approach, you're actually telling that person who has a unique pain point how you might be able to help them. And that's so much more compelling than, you know, really broad advertising, which still has a place, but when that was kind of your only option, you know, just a a decade or so ago. Right. And, you know, I, I remember the days when the trade pubs were a hundred plus pages, 40% of that was ads and they they weren't cheap and you were competing for mind share there as well so on on that mind share thought when when you're talking about a new company talking about developing trust how long are we talking about to get on the radar and start developing that trust yeah i mean it, it definitely takes time to do it right but i think if you're intentional about building the message and when i say that it's really, really being attuned to the needs and pain points of the target audience and the agencies that you want to sell into. You know, I think it really starts there. Like that's the foundation. To your point about trust, you know, as you kind of take that message to market, I think there are a lot of established brands that rather than build it yourself, you can leverage their credibility and their audience and their trust in the market. You know, I'm talking to like, you know, government executive or AFCIA, where they have this 
this credibility built up over, you know, decades and they've got events and awards and channels and don't try to build it yourself. Try to build relationships with the folks that already have that trust and credibility and then, you know, make sure your message is something that's going to resonate when you've identified the right platform. Kind of like what your mom told you, you know, you're known by the company you keep. That's right. That's right. And we, we do have a lot of companies that they want to build their own event. Well, let's have our own federal symposium or let, you know, we're going to build our blog and I'm not against blogs, but if you're gonna, if you have great content, you know, go where the audience already is. A lot of times that's an easier way at least to get started. And then you can think about building stuff yourself after you've gotten a little bit of momentum and brand credibility in the market. But even then, most companies and most individuals are not going to devote the time that it takes to build an audience. It's hard. You know, I'm I'm fortunate because I was one of the early content producers as a marketer in our market. And I've been producing now for over 30 years. So I have, I have, you know, a bit of a following. And because of that, I got the radio show and the column in Washington Tech. Didn't happen on its own volition. It happened because I had the audience. And you had good content, Mark. There's a lot of conversation in marketing right now where the innovation is on the tactics and the new platforms, right? And the channels. But if you have a bad message, all of that, <laughs> none of that matters. There's no digital campaign that can serve a bad message. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about like content being commoditized. That has not been my experience at all. It's, it's some of the toughest work that we do. It's the most creative. It requires the most domain knowledge. Good writers are at a premium. It is not an easy thing to do. And it's just so foundational if you want to have any success in the market that, you know, I just, it's, it's absolutely critical. Let's pick that up on the other side of this break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Uh, I'm here with Matt Donovan of Merit Group. Tell them the uh, website, please. It's Merit, M-E-R-R-I-T-T, G-R-P.com. There you go. Uh, Matt and I will be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Matt Donovan of the Merit Group. It's really weird. I was talking to a CMO this morning, and she was asking me about what types of agencies did which things. And I threw out a couple of names, and she said, well, well, what do you think of the Merit Group? And I I said, well, Matt's going to be on my show later today. You know, just take this under advisement. I don't just let anybody on the show. (laughs) I appreciate that, Mark. People said that's a coincidence. No, it's not. It was meant to happen. And it was a comment that I was meant to make. So on content, yes, I've got several books out. I have a column in Wash Tech. I blog on LinkedIn incessantly. And I try to add value with each touch. But oftentimes that value is reminding people of certain basics and the basics aren't going to change. The venues are going to change, but the basics don't. So when you guys are producing content, when you're creating that message, what is the, the first thing that you think of? Is it the message or the platform or what? I think we don't even think about platforms until we get the message right. And I think it really starts with, the target audience really i think there's a there's an empathy gap 
sometimes in marketing. A lot of people, they want to start with how great their company is, which is, which could be true and is great. And they want to talk about how smart they are and their staff is and how unique they are. And all of that stuff is important in time. But if you're not starting with how you can help, right? Like how you can help the thing that your potential buyer or potential partner or potential future coworker is looking for, you're gonna, you're gonna be off. So I think you gotta put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're communicating with. And then if you can start there and work back, you're gonna be in such a better position. We always look at, you know, we do competitive audits when we're, we're building messaging for a customer. And as soon as we see a company that's just talking about themselves, we feel like we're all right, we're, we're going to be ahead of them, you know, because because we're going to be talking directly to the person that's going to make a decision on this contract. Or we're going to be talking about the things that really matter, you know, to this segment of the audience. So, you know, it starts there and then you can weave in some of the insight and the unique differentiators about the company as it relates to the pain points that you're solving for the end user. But boy, if you don't start there, I just feel like you're you're going to go further and further down the wrong path. Yeah, I, I've seen adjectival fervor that could, you know, indicate the second coming, but it doesn't have a message. Yeah. So tell me what you do. <laughs> so you get this part done. Then, you know, budgets being what they are, marketing doesn't always get the biggest chunk. How do you select the venues that are going to be more nothing's immediately productive i don't think where are you going to get the most traction early yeah that's a great question i mean i think it's oftentimes a mix it always goes to where are your target audiences spending their time you know and i think the market connection study that you mentioned previously that we partnered with them on is a great resource in addition to their media study where you get annual data on actually what people are reading, where they're spending their time, what events they're going to. So you can be really data-driven in this market if you have the right tools. And then, you know, you have to think about, all right, how do I maximize my budget? And I think typically where we land is digital can have a very, very compelling ROI in terms of cost per click, whether you're trying to drive brand awareness, you're trying to drive a specific action, drive them back to the website to do something. But I also think those established communications brands or associations in the market are also just a great place to start because you're not spending a bunch of money building the audience. You're leveraging the resources that are already there and these that already have those audiences to you know spend your resources getting the message out. So I think that's primarily, you know, where we start when we think about kind of activating a new client in the market. And then, you know, there's a lot of nuances in terms of, you know, message process and how we get to the right, the right output. Yeah. So you, you had mentioned uh, government exec earlier. Everybody knows they've done uh, a few acquisitions in the last uh, year and a half. Federal News Network's been around for quite a while. Yeah, on, on their side. There's a lot of good places for content. I love your emphasis, though, the from the first uh, segment on associations, because selecting the right association to partner with can open up not simply your traditional content conduit, but potential speaking gigs as well. So 
I've spoken at a number of association events over the years. One of my favorites is AFSIA. Always great audiences. And, you know, they're there because whatever you're talking about is germane to what they want. You know, they've built up the reputation for serving up educational, helpful, useful content, right? So, you know, whether it's an AFSIA or an ACT-IAC or an NDIA, there's all these great associations that have platforms, whether it's, you know, speaking on a panel at a relevant industry event. They've got great outlets like a, like a Signal magazine, but they also, you know, enable the opportunity to build relationships. So these companies, especially these new companies that are coming into the space, join a committee, become an FCA member. What better way to rub elbows with not only, you know, potential end users, but partners in the market. You know, a lot of these technology companies need to work with the big systems integrators that operate around the Beltway. And those associations are unbelievable ways to get on their radar, build relationships and find compelling ways to work together. Yeah, and AFCIA has chapters everywhere. A couple yeah. of years back, a guy called and said, you know, I've been trying to get it on the radar of Lockheed, and I'm stuck out here in San Diego, and I'm not close to AFCIA HQ, and I'm going, are you aware that they have a chapter in San Diego? Right. And you want to get on Lockheed's radar. Well, the president of the uh, San Diego chapter is from Lockheed. Right. And he's a VP. Hello. Right. There, there's some building blocks here, but you, you know, you know, I write about relationships incessantly. Everything in this market is driven by relationships. You being on this show is driven by relationships. Yep. Um, you know, when I speak at APMP, the biggest conundrum is, well, we're not going to bid on this because the agency doesn't know us. You know, whose problem is that? Not the agency's problem. No, it's so, not. And that That's a great example, Mark, where, okay, the agency doesn't know us. That's fundamentally an awareness problem. And I think a lot of people, they talk about this market like it's, you know, it's backroom handshakes and it's all relationship driven. And that is true. But if you are going to counteract that, you've got to get your brand out into the market. You've got to get your people out into the market, you know, communicating, you know, who you guys are, what you believe, how you can help. And, you know, that really starts at the awareness level where by the time you, you know, maybe secure a meeting with that agency, they've got enough of a sense of who you are and that you're committed to the market to trust you enough to take a briefing and listen to what you have to say. Because we've got a lot of companies that kind of come into the market like a bull in a china shop and they want to tell everybody, you know, what they do, but they just don't have that trust and haven't established that commitment yet. It is the one way, you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you about me before I, before I talk about what you're, what, what you need. Yeah. So, so your research into the messaging uh, helps you formulate initial uh, value points that they can bring to the market. When, when you're looking at other people's stuff, if you see something that actually resonates. I tell my clients to emulate, if not outright borrow the concept. I know that's a little on the sneaky side, yeah. but there's always ways to reshape something. Do you do you guys ever do that? 
We do. We do. I mean, like I said before, during the messaging process, there's obviously like the internal intake with the executive team. We're like, okay, where are you guys going? What's your strategy? What's your vision? How do you think you're unique? You know, all that good stuff, which has to be included. But then we do look externally. One is on the competitor side. What are the competitors saying? And then two is just the broad agency discussion or the market discussion. You know, what what policies, what directives, you know, what are folks aligning to? But on the competitive side, you want to see, one, where the white space is. So maybe there's something that a competitor is saying, but there's a gap in the story that, you know, you can fill or you can build upon what they're saying. But if they do have a compelling, you know, value prop or use case that you also bring to the table, you know, we absolutely incorporate some of that stuff in the way we build strategies for for, for clients as they kind of build out their external personas in the market. So, you know, I, I, I don't think we ever recommend outright stealing, but, no. you know, borrowing some of the good stuff and kind of shaping it in your own voice is absolutely on the table. Well, I mean, there's only so much new out there, right? Yes. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. If this seems to be going fast for you guys, it's going really fast for me and Matt. So we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with uh, Matt Donovan of the Merit Group. He, he's here because I like what they do. Uh, and that's it. So let's talk about shaping messages for, for specific things like account-based activity. Everybody in the, the government market has similar problems, but there's variations on a theme. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true, Mark. And the way we, the way we tackle it is you're going to have brand messaging, or we recommend brand messaging in the market. This is the fundamental who we are in the government or public sector space. What do we believe? What do we bring to the table? How is it different? Why does that difference matter? And that's the stuff that you're going to see, you know, lead on the website, lead in top level, you know, advertising. If they're going to do 30 second spots on federal news radio and TOP, what's the elevator pitch, right? Everybody needs that. However, you know, we know there are some very, very important contracts to the business success of, you know, the companies that do business in this market. And a lot of times the contracts are so strategic and so big that they warrant their own campaigns. So if you're facing a recompete with, you know, DHS or the Navy or NASA, and you've got to start positioning for you know what you can bring to the table as things get super super competitive in these procurements, so you know we we've done a lot of work with clients recently on okay what are the goals of this procurement, who are the key decision makers, where are they based, what are, what what events do they go to, what do they read, and really really take a targeted approach that never is disconnected from the brand messaging. The company is who they are. They have certain DNA. But it needs to be expressed in a specific way that fundamentally addresses the challenge that that agency is trying to solve with the contract. So speaking directly to NASA's IT leadership or directly to the, you know, the border mission lead, you know, within, uh, you know, Customs and Border Protection or something like that. So we found that getting that specific in advance of, you know, big, you know, big procurements has been really, really effective in, you know, paving the way for a lot of contracting success for our clients. 
Cool. Um, so I, I want to touch on something, uh, I guess, a little bit broader. The, the challenges you face when you're working with executives on messaging. I, I run across people who say our message has worked forever. We're not changing. Uh, our corporate ad agency out here in Silicon Valley knows everything, but I, they've, they've never done government. What's wrong with this picture? We've seen, I remember I was at a, I was at a FedScoop event and a company, which I will not name, pretty much brought their commercial sales pitch to the stage. And I mean, if, if booing were socially acceptable, I think it would have happened. People were walking out, they were checking their phones. I mean, it was a, it was a clear cut example, as you know, all too well, that this market speaks a little bit of a different language. And if you're coming in and you're not speaking that language, boy, you can you can lose trust and credibility really, really quickly. And we have had to work with executives that, again, they kind of they start from a foundation of my company is great because and we're going to kind of convince the audience of this. But you really have to marry it with the why it matters right to the to the target audience. I think a lot of what you do and how you do it is important. But if it's not anchored to the ultimate goal and not even from like a, a how perspective, like a technology perspective, but like a, the ultimate goal of the agency, we, uh, you know, a lot of our clients, you know, they sort of go to market talking about their products and their solutions. Right. I would say our smarter clients and our counsel is to go to market in terms of use cases. These are the four ways we can help our you know, target audiences in this market. This is the four ways we can really help an agency transform or solve a problem that we're there, you know, they're struggling with. And it's just, again, it's starting with that customer challenge and working back, which is, we found is so much more successful. Have you ever asked a client that's new to the market, if they're targeting a specific agency to read the OM53 submission before starting honestly we probably should more that's a great idea mark you know if they're not grasping what the agency wants in the next 36 months and they're still coming in with this uh you know commercial message yeah. that may resonate may not how how hard is that education process because i've i've talked to some people and i i actually leave the room because it's like talking to a pet rock. I'm just going, you don't get it later. Um, don't call. <laughs> I think, you know, it, it, it varies. And, you know, the ones that are a little bit more self-aware and know what they don't know and do have an empathy for kind of staying open-minded and, you know, learning about best practices for communicating in the market. Those are the ones that, you know, we love to work with and have typically yielded successful relationships. But there's certainly the category that you're talking about, which it's kind of they try to jam the commercial playbook into public sector. And there's just too many differences and too many variables for that to be for that to be effective. So mm -hmm. my my favorites are companies started by the techies. But the techies stay in the CEO role instead of migrating to a CTO role. 
Yes. And they they think the quality of their product slash service is going to sell itself. Well, if that were the case, we'd be writing in word perfect right now. Yeah. And they want to talk about, you know, features and kind of very minute differences in the actual product where that's not what a lot of you know, the decision makers want to hear, especially outside the CIO shop, which, you know, we work a lot of tech companies and obviously the CIO, um, you know, the CISO, those are really key decision makers. But a lot of times the technology is in support of a mission goal. And there's a mission lead that needs to be convinced that has budget authority, that this is a really good investment and this is why. And if you're not talking to that person on his or her level, in his or her terms, you know, you're just, you're just not going to get anywhere. And oftentimes those program managers are harder to get in touch with yes. than the CIO. Absolutely. Because they're busy doing stuff. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So your, your value prop when you're pitching these guys just for that 10 minute talk better be on target. Absolutely. I don't want to get started on another topic yet. We'll save that time for our last segment. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Matt and I will be back for a longer segment right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Matt Donovan of the Merritt Group, M-E-R-R-I-T-T-G-R-P.com. And you can find Matt on LinkedIn, oddly enough. So the... We're talking about the explosion of all these digital channels that are changing the way the messaging's delivered to the market. You know, anybody who hasn't been following this who's in marketing really needs to shoot themselves. So, but in, in our market, um, it, it's, it's never going to be cutting edge on, you know, using Instagram or TikTok that may weasel in. So, um, you develop messages for people. How do you determine which channels are are best predicated on how truly niche our market is? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we are seeing more and more adoption of digital channels. And we mentioned, you know, the market connections study, which, you know, shows data in terms of where people are going digitally for information in terms of the government market. We have had a ton of success on LinkedIn, which I know warms your heart, Mark, but the ability to talk to a specific role within a specific agency in a specific geo on a platform where people are already sort of in that work mindset, they're looking for work information, professional connections, professional data, that we've seen a ton of ROI. And even though they're a little bit more expensive than some of the other platforms, but I'd much rather spend money getting value on LinkedIn than sort of taking maybe a more scattershot approach on a Twitter or Facebook where, to be quite honest, we haven't seen the returns. I think where it gets interesting is when you're going to a very, very niche subsegment of the market. And I'll give one example in terms of roles. We've had a number of clients that have needed to reach the developer community and the software engineering community within the federal market. And that you know, that person might not be someone who's reading Federal Computer Week or going to FCM meetings. They are talking with other developers online in forums like Reddit. So we've had to get very, very 
creative or maybe a little bit outside the box in terms of reaching folks that are actually going to use the the software that our clients provide to build stuff. I think, you know, the other the other way we segment the market and, you know, we joke about this, but, you know, thinking about federal as a one size fits all market is, you know, preposterous. You've got, you know, federal health, defense, homeland security, you know, IRS. This is really it's such a disparate market in terms of, you know, leadership and missions. And they all go to different events, read different publications, engage with different content online you know, to educate themselves and help them do their jobs better. And I think understanding those nuances is just really, really critical in, you know, helping companies navigate the market. Yeah. And, you know, the the sub-communities on LinkedIn is extensive. There's about 3 million groups. And about a third of those are private groups. So we don't even know what the heck they are. Yeah. Um, And I've encouraged some of those people in those more technical IC related niches to make their groups private and to really vet the people who are coming in. It's invite only anyway. But, you know, we, we had uh, Clubhouse. Yes. Um, you know, that was, that seemed to be, uh, you know, gaining a tiny bit of traction six months ago. And I haven't even heard of it in the last 90 days. I don't think anything's going to replace LinkedIn anytime soon. But, you know, it's just like social selling. Social selling doesn't replace sales or BD. It's an adjunct activity. So some of these networks are going to be adjunct to LinkedIn. Yes. Um, And finding them is the the trick. So when you find somebody's profile who is deeply embedded in that software development, whatever niche it is, um, you know, scouring their profile, go down to the bottom and click on their interests and then click on their groups. You're going to find some interesting things on some of the profiles that you never would have found otherwise. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, developers are a perfect example where, you know, I don't think they think of themselves as federal developers. They think of themselves as developers. They think of themselves as people that build software, right? And they go to the same places that, you know, other software developers go. But if you can reach them with a message that's more germane to the actual organization that they work for, a federal agency, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be that much more compelling and you're going to, you know, you're going to be building an actual relationship. So. Yeah, they're they're gonna go where the ideas are being created. Yes. So they may go to a gamer development community, which has been extraordinary in in their innovation. Yes, and you know they may be producing you know Mario Part Ten, you know version ten, but the 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 tools they're using to get there are what these guys are looking for. So. Here's a problem that I run across, and I know you run across it more than I do. Yep. I have a client that calls and said, I hear you did some work with so-and-so. I'm going, well, actually, I'm still working with so-and-so. And they go, oh, well, then you can't work for me. And I'm going, why? Yeah. Um, so when you, when you have a company that is com- already with you and they're competitive to somebody who's kicking your tires – what do you say to the tire kicker? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a it's a it's a tough one. And the irony is if you've worked with a similar organization, you're really bringing 
more domain expertise to the potential engagement. So you're actually you're actually probably more valuable to the to the prospect than you would be had you not worked with a competitor. I would say it's such a tricky market. We steer clear of working with direct competitors. This is the, you know, the two or three companies that you're running into all the time. And, you know, I hesitate to throw out examples, but they kind of, they know the the one or two companies that are really going to, really going to be a no-go, right? But I think in this market where, you know, competitors become friends, friends become competitors, it's a little bit more, I would say, nuanced. And I think we've definitely had less of an issue, say, working with a big consulting firm and also a big systems integrator that, Maybe they run into each other on some services contracts, but they're not facing each other in every part of the market all the time. The other thing I would say is when there is some potential concern over crossover, and the concern is, you know, the concerns tend to be sort of well-founded where you don't want a team member bringing competitive intelligence over, or you don't want a team member you know, taking messaging from one client and bringing it over and repurposing it for another client. But what we like to do, even when the competitive conflict isn't, you know, insanely intense, is really keep the team separate. So you've got, you know, a group working on advancing the interests and market position of that company uniquely. And then you've got a whole other team equally as qualified, you know, driving, you know, similar interests for uh, another client. But it can get tricky and it can, uh, the waters can get muddy in, uh, in federal contracting. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, I had a conversation once. Fortunately, this one doesn't happen often. But somebody came and said, I know you work with these guys. I want to work with you so you can tell me what you did for them. And that. <laughs> That's a conversation stopper for me because the ethics with which you approach this market are absolutely key to how successful you are going to be. What you said about relationships, if people don't know you, like you, and trust you, you aren't going anywhere. And that applies to agencies as much as any, you know, prime, sub, you know, anybody in our market. That's a red line. I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, where there is no scenario where we are sharing competitive intelligence or IP that we learned working with one organization with a new organization that works in that space. I think the one thing that that you can bring is you've just operated in that market segment. So your team is, you know, really, really up on the issues around AI that are happening within DOD or across the market. And you can bring some of that learning to maybe a new engagement, but under no circumstances are we bringing, you know, client IP or, you know, intellectual property to the, to a new engagement. Yeah. So as you know, I recommended a fairly large company uh, talk to you not, not long back, a couple of weeks back. Yep. And uh, you know, I did not look at your client roster before I recommended this company and, um, you know, I, I don't think it matters because yeah. I recommend the, you know, I'm not an ad agency. I'm an advisor. Uh, and you do a lot of, you know, agencies do a lot of things that I, I don't. And I don't want to because I do them not well. What I do, I do very well. Right. So, but, you know, I, I vet companies like Merit quite thoroughly before I, you know, 
put my reputation on the line saying, you got to talk to these folks. Yeah. And we always appreciate that. And, the, you know, the other thing where you can you can find some wiggle room, too, is if if the companies just have vastly different goals. Right. Like we're doing a lot of campaigns trying to reach and engage talent. You know, we got a lot of clients that are trying to, you know, they're trying to bring on cyber and engineers and different geos. And it's like, that's a recruiting campaign. That's way different than trying to build a brand or help a company win contracts. And a lot of our clients size that some of the bigger players, they're like, oh, you're just doing recruiting for them. All right, we're fine. You know, we're, we're totally cool with that. And we're transparent about that. And we're upfront. But a lot of times, you know, it's just the goals are so different. The audiences are so different that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of clients don't even care. We, we could do a whole show on the need for good recruiting tactics. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Mark. Always a pleasure. Uh, indeed. Again, Matt Donovan, Merritt Group, M-E-R-R-I-T-T-G-R-P.com. Find Matt on LinkedIn. Uh, reach out and have a chat with him. You know, you'll learn something. This is not my day job. I advise companies, particularly in the arena of social selling, building a subject matter expert platform, and content marketing, and weaving those together in a social selling context. So if that resonates, give me a call. Uh, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.